The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. Welcome to the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. Thanks for spending part of your Sunday morning with us. We do appreciate it very much. We hope that we are a blessing to you. On the Faith Debate today, we're we'll asking the question, authority... Where does authority come from? Does social science rule, political science, philosophy, the science? Is your personal experience your authority? Is scripture your authority? That's what we'll be tackling today on the panel to talk about such things. David Forsey, pastor of the unnamed House Church in southern Frederick County. Also, Daniel Razvi is here. He's a pastor with the church that meets at Imran's house in northern Frederick County. And... Uh, Missing from the panel today, Imran Razvi. He's also a pastor. He's founder of Conquered by Love Ministries uh, online at conqueredbylove.org. I'm Troy Skinner, pastor of Household of Faith in Christ, uh, located in central Frederick County. Find us online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. If you'd like to connect with us, you know, with any of our churches, with my social media, uh, find the Faith Debate uh, really easily on wfmd.com or listen to sermons or find trusted Christian resources or read the bi-monthly pastor's blog or things like that. You can do all of that sort of stuff at householdoffaithinchrist.com, householdoffaithinchrist.com. All right, so we got to pick up the slack for Raz because Imran's not here. So, Daniel, mm-hmm. uh, David. Yeah. Authority. Where do you get you? From whence comes your authority? Uh, well, we just before we went on the air, we were talking about the origination of terms. Uh does does authority come from the idea of like the the author of something or or is that is is it the other way around did, did author come from authority the the author gets to decide what happens in the story well i would say authority is a variation of author right so it it probably comes from author you got some some so related if you are the stuff author, there if you're the designer or the planner the one that hmm. made the thing then you get to explain you get to explain um, or direct on what that thing is and what it, what the, everything relating to it is. Yeah. The the author the author gets to decide uh, the, what the 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 purpose of the, of the characters and the. All right. Well, know, sort so of, sort I'm not sure. Are. If, I'm not sure of the etymology <laughs> of all this. So maybe what we'll do is we'll change our word a little bit. Who gets to make the rules? God makes the rules. What rules do you follow? The the author, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, we can get into that, too, and maybe we will, because all three of us are going to say Scripture is the authority, right? Right. Uh, But then you have to get into how are we defining that, like authorial intent versus, you know, reader response theory, you know, the whole deconstruction literary approach and stuff where uh, you're kind of reading the space between the lines to figure out what the meaning of the text is. So authority has a... How many... many how many times does it have a, a positive connotation, or how often do people think of it in in positive terms? I think in this culture, authority is thought of as a negative thing. Right. We, 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 have, we, think, we, we have authoritarianism thrown around well, a lot these well, days. Or just yeah. if somebody is in authority, that means they get to tell me what to do, and I want to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a negative sound. Yeah, thing. I, I mean, yes and no. The same Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to you know, process that question and, and put people in my head. And I'm imagining people that would say... You know, they would agree with you. Yes, authority, bad, authoritarianism, bad. And yet the people I'm bringing up in my mind right now in my mental Rolodex are the exact same people who would say, the science, Fauci <laughs> is king. Right. They're right. the same people it's in, in, my, in my circles most of the time. Right. 
So they're not well, really anti-authority. They're just anti any authority who disagree with their personal view of what their authority should be, which is why this question is being asked today. <laughs> yeah. Because they would say their authority isn't Scripture. Their authority isn't you as a pastor. It's not the Christian worldview. It's not mm-hmm. Judeo-Christian values. It's none of that sort of stuff. It's the science, right? Or it's, um, what right. did I say, the social science, the political science. The, well, the, the beauty of uh, what uh, just m- science is related to or tied into just materialism, right, is that uh, ultimately that, like, there is no actual authority because nothing, because there's, there's just stuff. And so I can just... But the human nature is to we want. human nature is to desire a god or a ruler or something that can tell them what to do, even if they... I mean, you can say all you want, oh, I, I make my own rules and, and stuff, but everybody desires some sort of leader, leadership, whether that's a god or whether it's a person, and that's why there's so many people that follow the experts. The experts do this and you know, because they know what's best for me, and I'm still making my decision. I mean, I can choose to follow them or not, and I'm, I'm a smart person, so I'll choose to follow the experts, but it's still the experts. It's some authority figure. In that case, it's unnamed, and that's the nice thing about saying the experts is now there's nobody to blame if something goes wrong because you had a faceless person you were following in the first place, <laughs> and uh, you know you don't have any accountability. Yeah, I think uh, even by default, like those who want to be like a hyper materialist, and like there's no meaning to anything, everything's a happy accident, everything's just chance. Um, we might just be living in a dream for that matter. It might be just like a big Matrix movie that we're all plugged into somehow or whatever. Even people that would want to go that far, for them to hold that position, they're making some sort of a reality claim. Yeah. And they're the one who's the foundation for stating what that reality is. And so they've made themselves the – there's no escaping authority. Something in your life is the authority. If you're a little kid, it's your parents. You know, at the workplace, it's usually going to be your boss, right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, or in, in, but I'm talking more culturally, though, um, because we're all three of us here going to say that the Scripture is our authority, God's our authority. Yeah. Um, right. Let's talk about the role, the, the rightful role where there is a scriptural, it's okay scripturally for us to assign some authority to these other areas. So in what ways is it okay for a Bible-believing Christian to say, you know what, Scripture is my ultimate final authority, but, you know, science does have some authority in my life and how I interact with the world. Social science does too, you know, people groups and how they interact and how to understand all that sort of stuff. Political science, because you want to get things done and accomplish things positive in the world, you've got to know how to play the political game. And So we have things like lesser authorities, right? Subject to Scripture, though. Sub- right, right, okay. And that's where, I mean, you get um, Peter saying we must obey God rather than men. So whenever there is an authority that's on earth that clashes with God's authority, which is the Scripture, then obviously you don't follow that. You follow Scripture. What are the dangers of not having Scripture be over all of that? Why, why do I have to have that? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to take like a, a, a contrarian view here, so, you know, be the, uh, the, the typical non-Christian on the panel for half a second. Right. You know, well, what do I need that for? I've got science and I've got social science. I've got all these smart expert people and that's good enough yep. for me. Yep. So the, so the clay say to the potter that, you know, I, you have no authority over me. That's the. That's is that the, from? Is that Sanskrit? What is that? <laughs> that's that's in the Bible, and, and the, the, the. I don't know the anything analogy, about the Bible. I'm a guy on the street. Sure. The, the <laughs> analogy though is is something that's made, right? If you if you make, let's say you paint a painting, the and you paint a painting and there's people in that painting, 
can those people decide anything regarding the world, regarding their world, which is inside that painting? They don't know anything other than what's in the painting. You know, if you build a computer and you put you program the computer, it's all been programmed from the outside. It doesn't make itself. I mean, that's the whole idea of you know evolution versus creationism. But if we if if all of our answers come from within the machine or within the creation, then there's no way to know if they're the right answers because there's nobody that you can fact check it by. Everybody fact check is a fact check is a, a hot topic right now, right? We need to fact check this. Well, the only way to fact check truth is by somebody who is outside of creation itself. But you're assuming there is truth. Well, fact check anything, <laughs> anything that we know. I mean, fact, the whole word fact check assumes there is truth, and that's that. That's something that's bandied about. And that's what modern art's all about. I mean, you know, how many times you've heard stories about the the artist? He paints the picture, and mm-hmm. somebody comes and says, "Wow, what's your painting about?" And he asks the person, "What do you think it's about?" It's about whatever you think it's about, you know. And uh, because it doesn't really have, there's no authorial intent there. There's no. And like, that's the, why modern art is stupid. Well. <laughs> So says you, the guy who's got scripture overseeing everything. Sure. But this is this is the this is the uh, the thing that's flummoxing our society right now. We've got so many people that reject scripture, and we've had that for a while. I think with shift, we were talking about this just before we went on the air and right before we actually started our live stream. Uh, by the way, we're in the habit now of live streaming our recording sessions. So if you follow me on Facebook, uh, whenever we record, you'll be able to see everything before it actually airs on the radio. You know, in the weeks to come. Uh, but that's one of the challenges we have. I think that. We haven't had a scriptural foundation to how the world works in America truly in our lifetimes. I don't think it's been the prevailing thing for for at least a generation, maybe a couple of generations. You you mean, okay, yeah, within the culture. Exactly, exactly, yeah, culturally, yeah. Not like it would have been back in the 17 and 1800s. You know, right. it shifted. There was a big, there was a big shift that took place. Pretty much like in, uh, you could almost pinpoint it to the Scopes Monkey Trial. Really, mm. there was a gigantic. That was a hinge moment in American history. And from that point forward, Scripture really hasn't carried as much weight. It's taking a back burner. However, we've been coasting downhill off of the heritage of a scriptural underpinning to how we handle things. And there's kind of running on fumes, if you will. I think those fumes are gone. And now we've got people who not only is the culture not, but it's like it's just like. It's gone. And so how do you interact with where, where do we find our authority? Where do we find truth? What, what, what gets to rule the roost? I think one of the reasons that people, uh, one of the things that's, that's innately in human beings that communicates to them that there is some, some authority, even outside themselves, is uh, a sense that, there is, that there's good and bad, that there's right and wrong. Um, and so... You know, like any uh, any sane person, even some secular, you know, uh, even an atheist would say that, you know, any sane person is going to uh, agree that there's that there's right and wrong, and it may just be based on what, um, you know, whether whether something causes, uh, you know, pain or hurt. Yeah, some um, of them are easier. You know, yeah, if but, I punch somebody in the nose, they're going to say that was wrong. Right, but. But but that's the I, I think the dip, when you when you depart from scripture from you know from a, a a very specific particular objective standard you know there's there's just a lot of grasping and instability that happens and and you end up with people kind of all over the place and we're seeing that in the church too and when I say the church I mean like the the broader Western church the, oh, yeah. the church in America yeah, as uh, as scripture is uh, you know lost as, as 
people who would call themselves Christians have lost their their sense of Scripture as the authority. Yeah. Have you had opportunities to, to teach or preach or comment on this in the context of, you know, the, the people in your congregation or in the community as an ambassador for Christ and address these kinds of issues? And if so, what have you said? And if not, if you were given the opportunity, you know, what might you say? You're given the stump for 15 minutes to speechify. You know, what's the outline of that speech? What are some of the main points you'd want to try to score? I think you have you have to come to an understanding that there is a creation. This is this is a creation, and there is a creator. If we can't agree on that premise, we have to get there somehow. But once you get to that premise, then it's a lot easier because you can say, "Look, well, he made everything, so he gets to say how it what, you know how it works and what happens with within the creation." But if you can't start with that foundation that there is a creator, then there's really not any point in talking except to get to that point. Um, so you have to use analogies like you know. If I if you look at a watch, you know that there's no possibility that the watch just formed by itself. There's all these different, there was a watchmaker put the watch together, and that's the classic example. There's a lot of other ones, but you have to get to that point. And once somebody agrees, and, and surprisingly, many Americans will still agree. Oh yeah, there's a God, or they they may think, well, you know, we don't really know who he is, or maybe it's a she, or you know, maybe there's many of them, or maybe uh, it's it's all in us, or whatever. I think you're but more common to hear somebody say there's a higher power. There's a higher power, right? right. They'll say that. Yeah, a, yeah, but it's it's an easier leap, right? It's an easier leap to get from there to yeah, there is a creator. There's at least something had to start this. Okay, well then, that's where you get the answers from. Whatever answer you're looking for, it's got to come from outside this, outside the universe. So I think that's kind of where you have to start. Well, we live in a world, and this, you know, this is not hyperbole. I mean, this is the, the way it is right now, that uh, it's acceptable and considered to be not wrong. I don't know if they would go so far as to say it's the truth. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not steeped enough in some of these alternative universes. <laughs> but it's, it's not necessarily wrong. And if you want to insist that it's wrong, there's something wrong with you to say that 2 plus 2 equals 5. If that's not wrong. You can't say that's wrong. Um, that's, they're, they're making a truth claim. They, they, may, they might not be saying that 2 plus 2 is 5, but they are saying that 2 plus 2 equals 5 is not wrong. That's a truth claim. Mm-hmm. You know, so what do you do with that? We, we live in a world where you, know, you, know, you look like you have some uh, European uh, ancestry to probably, you. Probably so. You know, and you're, you're a Christian, you know, and uh, you're a male. You are the problem. Right? You've got all sorts of privilege. You know, there's systemic issues. You less so. Right, you're a Christian and you're a male, but you're not uh, you're, you're not of European descent. No. So you're, you you have one intersectionality of points scored in your favor on that one. <laughs> um, but people right. like David and I, we're we're a problem. The social science would say. Mm-hmm. And so what do we you know? We we appeal. To, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is there any ground to be made by Christians to try to fight the social science fight? You know, uh, debate, argue against, or influence, whatever. Uh, the, the culture with regards to social science or the science or political science or what have you, philosophy, in those sandboxes? Or should we just insist on no, Scripture says, let me point to you how important Scripture is. Do we have, do we have to get them to acknowledge our presupposition, I guess, before we can have the dialogue? And the way I said that, it's like, oh, well, no, you don't have to. Is it is it most yeah, I think strate- you have to. Is it most strategic? Is it best? So you, you, okay, so you would argue. I, I don't think somebody is now. 
obviously, I, I'm, I'm coming at this from a Reformed perspective, that God has to open their heart first before they're willing to hear. So we're relying on God to make that heart open. But just from a logical perspective, if somebody does not believe that there is such a thing as right or wrong, you know, in this culture, now in yeah. the Eastern culture, it's about honor and shame. It's not about right or wrong. And in fact, you can't really come at it from a guilt or innocence perspective. They're not going to hear it. They're not going to understand because they don't understand that paradigm. I think part of what may be happening in our culture is we're shifting away from the guilt and innocence, away from right and wrong, to somewhat of an honor and shame perspective as far as, you know, there's all this cancel culture. You know, we're shaming people for not following, the, you know, this thing or doing the honorable thing and wearing a mask or whatever, you know, all the different things. Honor and shame is actually a very biblical concept. And if you go and preach the gospel to somebody in the East, you're going to use different terminology there because you're all focused on we're in a position of shame and Jesus brought uh, Jesus makes us honorable in God's eyes you're not going to talk about oh we're sinners and and uh, you know, uh, you know, Jesus makes us righteous so there are two different things and they, they they are the same yet different and and they're both important each culture emphasizes one or the other so there are different ways to re- reach out to people based on the culture and the background that they're in and I think we're seeing a culture shift in America which is one of the reasons why there's a disconnect when you try to preach the gospel if they, they don't have the capacity to understand it from that perspective because their their paradigm is different. Well, it's, I mean, in, in both, though, there's there's things that are, are good and things that are bad. Right? Honor, Maybe. honor good, shame, bad. Right. But, but, guilt, guilt, bad, but guilt innocence, is, but good. But guilt is different than shame. Yes, but, but there still is, like, the, there's an, an essence of this is... To be desired the, versus the other. Right, yeah, this is the way it... Uh, should be, this is what is desired. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good word. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we, we know, well, we know because Scripture says it's true that uh, the law of God is written on men's hearts. Um, you know, so I, I think to, to do that, uh, I, I think we can appeal not just to the intellect, but, um, but also to, to the heart and, and, and start the conversation there with, you know, coming, coming, helping people grapple with, you know, what, what is good and what is bad, you know, and that may come out differently in different, different cultures. Uh, we also know, though, that, you know, the heart is deceitful, and we also know that people can harm their hearts, and I think we've gotten to a place, broadly speaking, where a, 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 a significant percentage of the population has significantly hardened their heart, so that I agree that honor and shame, right and wrong, those are important things, but they can be misapplied when everything gets turned upside down. So what, sure. what would have been years ago in our culture, and certainly biblically speaking would have been considered honorable, is now the exact opposite. It's dishonorable. You know, if you're going to say that uh, you know, boys are boys and girls are girls, that's dishonorable in our new culture because our hearts are hardened to scriptural truth and realities. Sure. And so it gets turned on its head because it really, that's just the thing I think we have to come to grips with. And I'm just thinking out loud. This is kind of just a spontaneous stream of consciousness kind of a show, I think, right now. Thinking out loud, which is always dangerous to do on public airwaves. But um, we're dealing with a cult. And, and I don't mean that, like, people are going to drink Kool-Aid and go to Jonestown, although maybe. We've seen some of that in the last year, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, people doing self-injurious things because some power structure told them to. However, that part aside, um, I'm talking about in the sense of the, the Christian cult idea where there's, there's something Christian about it, but it gets twisted. Yeah. And it's not true, and so it's a cult in that sense. Yeah. And that's—we kind of live in a— Christian cult society right now. 
because they'll use some of the same verbiage. They're, you know, the, the old cliche or the, I forget who, who gets uh, attributed this quote, but you're sitting on his lap in order to slap God in the face. You know, there are people in this culture right now that they're, they're sitting in God's lap. That's, that's what's sustaining their worldview without, without them even knowing it. Right. And yet they're taking that position on God's lap to sit up straight and slap him in the face. That's where we are right now. That's what the cults do. So, sure. So, yeah, I, I guess you have to go to the scripture, but if they don't want to hear, I guess you would just dust the, the, the sand off, uh, the, uh, shake right. the dust off your sandals and, and move yeah, on. Yeah, if they don't want to hear. The thing is, you, preach, you can preach the gospel to everybody. God will open the hearts of the ones that he wants to listen, and not everybody will. In fact, the majority won't. And uh, you, you may not even know what impact your words have until many years later when it actually the seed sprouts and, and grows fruit, and you may not even be on this earth anymore to see that. But that's just our, our command from God for the Great Commission is to go and preach regardless. Some of the seed falls on good ground and some doesn't. And, and you know, God says that his, uh, his, his word is, is the tool to use. It, it does not, um, it, it doesn't go out without effect. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, I mean, I think another part of one of the, the main ways that we, you know, appeal to the world is to, to love God and to love our neighbor and to live a life uh, where people are, are able to see what it is like for someone to have uh, a knowledge of God, a relationship with him, um, a... Uh, a, a hope and a joy that comes only from, um, you know, being uh, a, a, a right standing with God, you know, being in Christ by faith. Um, and then, you know, and then how does that bear itself out, you know, in interacting with other people, you know, as we um, lay down our lives for the good of others. Yeah, we'll let David have the last word today, although I, I'm going to sneak in, I guess, a last word because it popped into my head as you were just talking uh, like 30 seconds ago. For Christians who are uh, want to say, you know, I feel like the Spirit told me or the Spirit showed me or the, the Lord spoke to me, test that against the Scriptures too. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Always test that against the Scriptures too. Uh, David Forsey, Daniel Rasby, I'm Troy Skinner. This is The Faith Debate on 930 WFMD and online at WFMD.com. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow along with everything that uh, the show and me and our churches are involved with at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Householdoffaithinchrist.com. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from now. God bless.